You are listening to the Spurs Related Podcast. Listen for free on Anchor and Spotify. Hello guys, welcome to the Spurs Related Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, that way, Joseph McBride um, has joined alongside me as normal. And we've got a very special guest, as you can see today, guys. None other than YouTuber, Spurs YouTuber, the Irish Hotspur. Welcome on in, mate. Thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I really do appreciate it. And to hear that name, Spurs YouTuber, before, it's absolutely great. I'm loving it, lad. <laughs> top man, top man. And um, obviously, as uh, without further ado, go and check out his YouTube. Um, it's not to be disappointed. And, and he's been doing some stuff on We Are Tottenham TV lately. Um, his own show, his own talk show. So definitely go and check him out. You will not be disappointed. And um, I'm sure you'll listen to this podcast and realise why you won't be disappointed. So um, without further ado, I'm just going to hit you with straight into a, a question, um, David. What happened to Spurs on Sunday? Um, look, same thing we've seen all season. Look, first of all, I want to say Moon Boots, which is dire starting, is absolutely, it, it was a ridiculous call. For me, you know, swallow your pride, Jose. You pick Toby, you play him in beside Road. To start Moon Boots and then for him to be positionally all over the place, it's just not good enough. It's absolutely shocking. Anyone could see it coming from a mile off, but look, Jose wouldn't swallow his pride. And for me, he got that one wrong. Great first half. You know what I mean? Like many first halves this season, I'm sitting there, I get a hard on because of the football we're playing. I'm absolutely loving it. Do you know what I mean? And then second half, we just capitulate and completely fall apart. And I should have expected it. Should have expected it. We should have seen it, seen it coming from a long way off, like you said. And 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 the fact that we, like you said, I'm not going to use your words, but the fact we went 1-0 up at half-time, we're thinking we've absolutely rent freedom. They've got that disallowed goal. And then um, what an absolute shambles second half, David. Yeah, it was. But the thing is, we had them rattled going into the second half. We had them absolutely rattled by the end of the first half, completely rattled. We were getting stuck into them. They didn't like it. Coming out in the second half, I expected us with a bit of fire, a bit of passion in our bellies to really go for the game. But it didn't happen. You know, we just gave United the ball. And the rest is history at the end of the day. Um, It's the same thing we see time and time again. And it's a mentality issue as well, because, okay, look, there are going to be games where Josie maybe against some of the bigger teams. He'll go out and say, look, sit back, you know what I mean, for the for this half, try and mm. see it out. But like, there's other games this season that, look, I genuinely don't believe he is telling us to sit back. And like he's saying, I'm not telling him to sit back. But when you're used to lo- you losing and you're, you're used to just, you know what I mean, when you go out in the second half and you don't have enough goals from the first half and you know you're just going to concede, inevitably you start getting nervous, mistakes start happening. Like we have the most um, misplaced passes in our, in our own half this season. Mm. Which, which stops us from getting out, stops us from playing football, gives the opposition the team, and then they just start peppering our goals and peppering our box with crosses and shots. And then inevitably we end up crumbling. And I do think it's a mentality issue. And it's exactly what we've seen against United. Because United weren't great. United were not great by any mm. any shape or form of the imagination. Like, and I don't think they were... Uh, I definitely don't think they deserve three goals either. But the thing is, we just, we just absolutely crumbled. Even that last goal, like, you know... There's no one trying. No one. Even at 2-1, like you think, oh, let's go and get the point. We look like we're just going to concede more. So like you said, there's no, the mentality is wrong. Joe, would you, would you um, agree with David there? Would you say the mentality is all gone wrong in the Spurs dressing room? Definitely, because it's it's weird when you score first. It's it's kind of a wor- a worse thing for the Spurs. Um, mm-hmm. before uh, you scored, you know, United had one shot on, on Tottenham's goal. Uh, first half, as David said, you were all over them. They were just completely penned in. They couldn't get out, and you looked at the best team. And then, you know, you score. And then as soon as you score, they have, you have twelve shots faced you. You just sit back. Um, maybe it wasn't a sit back like David said, but it's just weird. It's a mentality thing. As soon as you score, it just everything changes. It's so strange, and. Yeah, the United weren't great either. The fact that their equaliser, Fred is literally pinging it around your defence. Like it was a great move from United, but he just suddenly came to life and mm-hmm. you know ruined everyone. Cavani drifting in between Bayer and Aurier, it was just too easy. And then yeah, the third goal for Greenwood, everyone just gave up. Um, you know, United didn't shouldn't have won. I, they deserved to win because of the second half, but I, I don't think they should have. You know, should have won at all. It was just a collapse. It was a shame to see. 100%. And I think, like you said, like the fact that it was so easy for players like Fred, Cavani, and yes, they, they're good they're good quality players, but bloody hell, they're not, you know, the world-class players 
that would be expected to tear us apart. We were making Cavani look like, you know, in his prime. We were making Fred look like, you know, it's just, it wasn't good enough really, was it? And go on. Cavani, though, lads. You can, accept, you can accept Cavani because, look, I'll give it to him. As a striker, if you, like, even though you might lose pace and you might be getting older, one thing you'll never lose is your movement. And to be mm. fair to him, he has world-class movement off the ball. Fred, I cannot tolerate. He is probably one of the most... <laughs> Worst Brazilians I think I've ever seen in football. Mm. You know what I mean? One of the worst Brazilians ever. He, 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 I, I, be not, look, he's shit. He's shit, right? Mm. Um, that, that should not happen. We should not be letting him ping the ball around like prime Steven Gerrard or Paul Scholes or someone like that. That should not be happening. Correct, yeah. But then, you see the first just, goal, just pinging it around. Yeah, and I, 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 it should not be happening. You know what I mean? Go back to the good old um, Roy Keane days. If 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 that was, if Roy Keane seen that happening, he would have two footed that lad. You know what I mean? Would have took him completely out the game. You're not passing the right. ball to there right. here, son. Good luck. And and we don't have that aggression in midfield. We don't have someone that's willing to go. You know, just leave something on someone and let them know you're not doing this today. Or and another one is um, Joe was touching on it. Is Sarge Arrier. What an absolute shit bag. He just stopped running. Like, there was one stage Pogba got the ball. Him and then Dumbelli there were with, with Pogba. He just stopped and let Pogba run in around him. You know what I mean? It's mm. but like, And then he was at fault for one of the goals as well. He let Cavani... Not, no, sorry, not one of the goals, but a, a chance when you could see it was coming. A ball was out on the, the right-hand side. It was coming across. And Cavani um, ran off Aurier. Aurier didn't even open his mouth to pass on the defender. Shout at Dyer, let him know he's coming across. And then Moonboots just watched him go on to, on to Roden. And we were just lucky that Roden managed to get his foot in and clear it. Mm. But that's how shambolic this is. And the fact, like you said at the end there, Roden saving us a lot of the time and he's bloody 20 years old. I mean, it is really poor. It is really poor. And the fact that, like you said, yeah, it looks like Jose's fallen out with Toby out of viral, but... He does it at every single club. We've seen it time and time again. He, like Man United, he fell out with Pogba. Um, Chelsea, he fell out with, you know, um, Diego Costa. It's always an experienced player with, that needs to be in the team because they're a leader or because they're a world-class player. I mean, Toby Adevario, like he doesn't seem like the most vocal person in the dressing room, yet he's fallen out with him for some reason. Looks like he's off to Club Bruges in the summer. I mean, what are we going to do in defence? What, what are we going to do in defence, David? Ah, uh, look, well... Being honest, I, I don't see it happening, but we need to go and sign two centre-backs this summer and a right-back. No excuses. Mm. I couldn't give a shit if we don't get anybody else. I want two centre-backs and a right-back because at least then you'll have a strong start at 11. And the reason why we need two centre-backs is because, look, Dyer's shit, Sanchez is shit, Toby's on his way out. Mm. So that leaves you with Roden. Um, we, we, Mourinho sees Tanganga as a right back even though I see him as a centre back I actually you know mm. I liken him to Ledley King even down to his injury problems yeah. you know what I mean I liken him down to Ledley King I think he's a fantastic kid with, with a great future in the game mm. but we're going to be very very short on centre back options next year if we don't go out and get centre backs but it has to be world class centre backs and look people can say like make all the excuses where do you think we're going to get money from I couldn't care less at the end of the day Jan for Congo go and replace him with Joe Roden. No disrespect to Joe Roden. But you know, he's done a fantastic job. Thank God. Mm. But that's not the level or the calibre of centre backs we should be going getting. No, no. But, you know, we were talking about going out to Milan to get Skriniar. When in all honesty, you know, it looks like we went out to Milan for fucking fashion week. Because we came back, <laughs> uh, you know, with no Skriniar. And then the next best thing is is like, oh well, look, we're going to get you the, the best um, best centre back from the championship. Mm. When we know we need a world-class centre-back already in the squad to come in and hit the ground running. So it's on theirs. It's it's on the board now. They, they delayed it last season, so now they have to double up this season, find the money and go and sort it. Yeah, like you said, like, you know, we got the best centre-back in the Championship and we probably did. And, and, he, and he has turned out as a very good player and probably has got a bit of potential. Maybe be world-class might be pushing it. But like you said, why aren't we going for those world-class centre-backs already? You know, Skriniar, he's now in Inter Milan starting 11 every single game, smashing it, scoring headers from corners, getting clean sheets constantly. And now, instead of paying 50 million, which we would have paid in January, it looks like they want 80 million. And that's just not going to happen. And like you said, I don't, I don't care also about the money. They should get him anyway for the mistake. But it just proves that the board aren't quick enough on those signings and they need to, you know, pull their finger out and just just go for it. Like we're getting season after season where we're relying on either youngsters or Toby out of our old. And it was Jan Vertonghen and obviously he's been offloaded. I think he was offloaded too early. Um, but yeah, Joe, what would you say? Would you agree with David? Two centre-backs are a must. 
Hundred percent. I think the rest of your team's all right. If you can get that defense in, in shape, the rest of your team's fine, and the midfield will play a lot different because they'll be comfortable with what's behind them. Mm. They haven't got that at the moment, and it completely it's a domino effect going forward. Um, you, yeah, you need. I think Skriniar, if it's someone of a similar caliber, I don't know who's really available, but yeah, you're gonna have to bite the bullet and pay the price. You need world class centre backs uh, and a right back as well. I think we've said this before. The Fiorentina, he had um, a release clause. It's now gone. But it was 25 million. Go and trigger it. Get the deal done. Knowing he's already coming in in the summer. You know, mm. we're just we're just not proactive in the market. Like for me, I want Milinkovic and Butman in this summer, but I'd probably get Michael and Barry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> mm. yeah, right. Yeah, we we've obviously got options um, for centre back buyers, but like like we've been saying, we're too slow. Like these 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 transfers we get, Milinkovic, Savage, Skriniar, the boat sailed. It's already it's already across the ocean. You know, like we need to be quicker on these deals. And I don't know what's going on with Levy and Enik, but they're not being proactive enough, like you said. I don't know what the direct. Well, I just don't know what's going on. Something needs to change up top. And um, if if we don't have a good summer this window in terms of transfers, something everyone's going to be calling. It. There's going to be banners galore at the games. It's going to be like Arsenal. It's going to be instead of Gazidis and Kroenke out. It's going to be Levy and Enik out. We know it's going to happen if we don't have a good summer, and they can't be surprised. Um, so I think it's absolute vital. It's the biggest transfer window since the bail departure, in my opinion. Um, and if we it's don't annoying. sort it, it is like they brought Jose in for a trophy, and you see everywhere he goes, you know, he has a, he brings in world class defender, and that defense is the pinnacle of his team, and he always has success. They brought him in to win a trophy, give him the centre back he needs to make that team great. Mm, yeah. it just it's just silly. They brought him in on ridiculous like salary and for one reason only, but it's like they're doing it with only letting him have half of the supply. It's, do you know what it's like? It's like it's like going talking to fashion, like um David said. It's like going to the um it's like going to the um outlet, right, and buying a Dolce and Gabbana bag and coming back home with a Dolce and Gabbana bag, but you've got an iPhone four. That's what it's like. You've been given the tools. You've had something really expensive, and then you've got the most budget like phone or the most budget. It is really like that. We've got a glowing manager, massive history, one of the most well known, well known world managers, you know, ever really. And we've got bloody Jaffet Tanganga as our as our backup centre back. No disrespect, Jaffet Tanganga, brilliant. But why haven't we got world class centre backs on 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 the pitch and and youngsters on the bench? Why have we got youngsters in the starting eleven with Toby Alderweireld on the bench and? No one else. I mean, I tell you why. Because Enoch, um, they want to replace the stairs on their yacht for a slide. So they're thinking, well, look, if we can just get Joe Roden, I can get my slide on my yacht, so I don't have to walk down the stairs anymore because I'm getting on in age. So the slide will help me. You know what I mean? That's that's what's happening. It's, it's uh, an absolute joke. I'm sick shambles, of this club. It's pissing me off. Shambles. Well, we're going to move on topic before we all um, go off the edge. And even Joe's getting a bit passionate about this one, which is very unlike him. So um, what we're going to say, we're going to say, obviously, the Man United result was an obviously disappointing one. Now, David, Everton on, I believe it's Friday, actually. Yeah. Are we yeah. are we going to get any anything out of this game? Um, being honest, I don't think so. But we owe them. We owe Everton, lads. You know, they knocked the better um, first game of the season. They knocked us out of the um, FA Cup. I want to go. I want to spank them. You know what I mean. I, I want to spank them. I want to. I want to show. I want to restore a bit of order around here. Start putting a bit of respect back on our name for these last few games of the season. Mm. Um, yeah. Do I see it happening? No, because at the end of the day, everything they have something to fight for, and look, they have more fight than us. They actually have players who want to be there. They have players who want game time, who who actually want to play. Whereas we don't. We're going to rock up. Okay, I might be leading at halftime, like I said. You know, I get excited. We won't use what I said earlier on, but I get excited. And then ultimately, you know, I just get deflated because by the end of the game, the other team comes out in the second half. They just want it more and we just collapse. So mm. they've had very they've had a very similar season to us in terms of they started really well. They were top of the league, weren't yeah. they, in September and maybe October. Then we were top of the league and then we've both gone to absolute pieces. I mean, Everton, I think, are even, I can't remember where Everton are, but they're below us. And they're then, a point below you, but they got a game in hand. Well, there you go then. So they're a sim- very similar season in terms of they started brilliant. Fans got excited. I think I even remember in September and October, we were talking about Everton winning the league. We're talking about Tottenham winning the league in November. Both teams are basically mid-table teams now. So it's actually really a Europa League cra- uh, clash in terms of fighting for those Europa League. And obviously we can say Champions League, but I think that ship's probably sailed now. Or the Europa Conference. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but but very similar seasons. So, Joe, how do you anticipate the game going on Friday? I think you've got to win it. Like they've done, they've done you twice this season, as David was saying. I'm pretty sure they haven't done the double over you for I don't know as many years, like maybe 25 years, like 85 mm. or something like that. So, and they've been on a terrible run of form as well. I mean, they 
bottled a lead to Crystal Palace the other day. They looked awful against Brighton last night and they lost the two before that. I don't think they've won at home in the last four attempts. They lost, like, in, they New- really... they lost, they lost in Newcastle the other day as well, didn't they? So... They lost to Burnley as well. Mm. Yeah. At home, they've been terrible. And also, um, Calvert-Lewin wasn't in the squad last night. He's picked up a little in- a little injury, so he might not be available as soon as Friday. So, I mean, they're limited and they're in a bad run of form. It's the perfect time to, you know, restore some order, as David said. And you need to beat them because, as I said, they're a game in hand, only a point behind you. So if they come away mm. with something, then you're going to be in eighth before you know it. So it's, I just don't think, I don't know how it's going to go. Is it, Both games have been literally complete opposite. The, the first game of the season, which was an unfortunate one where they beat you at the London Stadium, uh, Hotspur Stadium, sorry, 1-0. And then the other one was a 5-4. Like, what's the next one going to be? It's been completely different into the spectrum. Um, You've got to go and beat them. You're actually, I think, better away. So, mm, to, be, yeah. to be honest, lads, it wouldn't actually surprise me if we went and bet Everton, went on a nice three, four game run, all of a sudden top four was back on again. And as soon as, you know, we all get excited, yeah, we're getting top four now. Like, like what happened last season, we're just going to capitulate again. You know, it literally wouldn't surprise me with this team. And I, I'm just fed up with it. And look, the thing is, we, we, we can talk about changing manager all we want, but nothing's ever going to change until we rotate this squad. It's as simple as that. Like, the, the, the whole 11 that started that second leg against Zagreb, we're all here before Mourinho. They're all Pochettino players. Mm. You know what I mean? And until him or whoever comes in next is able to get rid of more of them players and get him players that they want and more, make it their sort of squad, well, nothing's ever going to change because we just have that bottling mentality. Um, in terms of Everton, look, I really want to beat them. I really want to beat them. And I know Joe wants us to as well. Um, I, I really do. I really do. I, I'm sick of Everton. I don't even like their colour jersey, to be honest. I think their jersey's horrible. Their stadium is horrible. It's a little tin pot stadium. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, I want to be sitting there at the end of the game with a nice big bag of toffees, eating them all. <laughs> yeah, spot on, spot on me. And um, like you said, we, we do owe it to them. We we do. They've got the better of us the last two times. Knocked us out of the FA Cup, which apparently we were going to win according to the 91 song. And um, yeah, I mean, the year ending in one is, 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 is apparently lucky for Spurs. But at the moment, it's been dreadful. So let's hope we win the Cup next week. Uh, what is it, next week? Yeah, next week now. Yeah. And um, let's hope we can um, finish the season on a high because... I mean, at the moment, it's been dreadful, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Well, we have um, Southampton midweek before the cup final, don't we? Yeah, but yeah. That, like you said, like if we go on a win, uh, if we win never against Everton, we win against Southampton, maybe yeah. the morale will be a bit up a bit. Can you imagine if we lose to Everton um, on Friday and then Southampton we lose to? Oh. What's it going to be like on, on Sunday in the cup against City? That's, there's no way we can lose to Southampton. lost 3-0 to West Brom last night. You know what I mean? There's no way we can be losing to Southampton. We need to beat Everton. We need to beat Southampton. We need to go into that cup final with any sort of optimism we can have, any sort of, um, you know, pride we can have going in there that we can be proud of ourselves. We won two back-to-back games. We can go in there with a bit of confidence. It's crucial we win these two games on the basis of that, to be honest. Look, I've written off top four now, but it's just crucial we go on this run now before the cup final and go in there with a bit of belief and a bit of optimism that we can actually turn them over. Because we've already done it with City. City are a bogey team. Sometimes I believe they're not allowed to beat us. I know they bet us already once in the league, but we bet them before that. But, you know, honestly, cup final, it's anybody's game. I'm, I'm, it's anybody's game on the day. I, I'm always going to believe until, until, until we go two down and then uh, I'm just going to sit here and cry. <laughs> yeah, spot on. Like like you said, anything can happen in a cup final. And um, on the day, I think Joe's a big believer on this. And and, and anyone is really like, it, it, on the day, no matter if you're playing, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, or blaming Scunthorpe, whoever is turning up on the day in that 90 minutes, that's who wins the cup. And at the end of the day, Man City might have a shock like they did against Leeds last week. And we might play mm. like we did against City earlier in the season when we won um, 2-0. So, I mean, obviously, at the moment, I can't see that. But, you know, form can change. Mourinho loves a trophy. I'm, I'm keeping optimistic about it, you know. Um, but, um, no. What, Anything what... can happen. Yeah, also, they won the Champions League. They've won this the last, what, three or four seasons. To them, it's, you know, we've already done this. So, you could look at it and think they're going to be confident because they've been there and done it so many times. But, you know, also mentality-wise, they want that big Champions League that City have been, like, craving so much. And, oh, we've already won this a few times. So, whereas you're desperate for it in a, in a different way. Mm. So they're, they're, you know, I'm clinging on to the fact that Josie has won a trophy in his first full season at every club he's been at. So I'm clinging on to that. <laughs> yeah, you got to cling on to anything with Spurs at the moment. It's positive. So, David, 
now moving on to the final, obviously we've naturally moved on to it anyway, but would you say, um, what do you think City's main weakness is? Oh, it's a tough one, you know. Um, I, I, I would do what we've done to them time and time again over the last few years. Get Sonny in behind them. Mm. You know what I mean? Get Sonny the ball. Like, Sonny loves playing City. So does Harry Kane. Harry Kane usually turns up for City as well. For me, it's just about, we need to get the ball forward quickly. I, I think if we take our time passing it through the thirds, you know what I mean? By then, City are just going to take it back off us. I think what we need to do is we need to keep three up top, Kane, Son, and whoever's out on the right. Get long ball to Kane. He's very good at taking in, getting it down. Get him on the swivel. He can either get us up by, by playing players in, mm. or else we, he can swivel and get the ball in behind. I think that's our only chance of, of beating City, is by getting quick ball up, you know, because City like do like to send a load of men forward, so we can take the ball off them bypass all that, get quick ball to our front men and get in behind. I think that's where we'll get more strike. Absolutely. Just going on from what you're saying, like Kane playing in the forwards and, you know, either getting on the end of it, who would you play in that front four? Oh, uh, Harry Kane, son out on left. Out on right, I'd probably go... I'd probably go with Lamella, you know. Mm. Just because with Bale, we can bring him on. We can keep him fresh going into, like... 50, 60 minutes. Like, don't do what Jaws has done the last last game. Bring, bring him on 80, 10 minutes yeah. and expect miracles. You know, bring him on around 55, 60 minutes. But have Lamella in there for the first half to do all his running around, all his work rate. And hopefully, you know, that'll be infectious on the rest of the team and it'll keep us in the game. Because, look, Lamella's not the best going forward. Like, you've seen against Newcastle, all he had to do was play it left or right. He'd done neither. They went up and scored. He started doing ball balls and, like, yeah, pissing about with it, didn't he? So... Yeah, yeah, that's it. And we can't afford for that to happen. So, look, for the first half and first 15 minutes of the second half, I'd have him out there setting the tempo to work rate. Because in fairness, when he does come on, when I've seen him come on and do it this time, at times this season, it's been infectious. You know what mm. I mean? It has kind of carried through to the rest of the team. There's a few games I can pick out where, it, where it's kind of worked. Um, so, for me, and then after that, then you bring on Bale and then you go for the kill. More in the number 10? Yeah, more in the number 10. And the reason why I say more in the number 10 is because Stones does actually like to dribble with the ball a little bit. Mm. She can actually just set Lucas Moore on him. And plus, with the press, look, Harry Kane is great, right? But he's not the fastest. So what happens is they usually draw Harry Kane out, pass it off. Like it was happening against, who was it against? Um, Burnley. Mm. You know, they were just getting the ball, passing it straight down our sides, getting the balls into the box. But when you put Lucas as your number 10, what he does then is he waits for the pass. He's already anticipating. He's gone. He's like lightning. So before you know it, they're left to boot it long. And he's so chasing that's the ball. Need, yeah, that's why we need Lucas Moore in the number 10. And I agree with you. I know you, you're you quite passionate. Like I um, was watching your video the other day and you were saying Lucas Moore is a number 10. He's not a, num- he's not a right winger. Um, mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. Cos Kane drops back as well. Mora can go and play in that striker um, yeah. role and, and you know, push for the ball and you know, get on the end of crosses like we've seen before. And I would agree with that. I think I would play Lamella out wide and Lucas central, 100%. Going forward, going forward as well with Lucas, if you play him out on the wing, right, with a player like Lucas, it's very easy because you know he just wants to go by you. Mm. So it's very easy just to show him down the outside. Just don't show him any run inside, show him down the outside and then let him run himself into an alley like he, does, like he has done a lot of his Spurs career. But what's happened is when you play him in number 10, when he's running at you now, he can go left, he can go right. He's all the space in the world. It's unpredictable, so yeah. He looks 10 times better because he's not being run into a blind alley. Yeah, and he's very much... He, he's not one-footed in terms of he can only use that foot, but he's very much, you know, a right-footed player down that line. So he's obviously mm-hmm. going to go on the outside and, and try and beat the player. Um, and when he goes inside, he does get a bit lost. So like you said, when he's... A, a bit like against Ajax, I know it's his best ever game by far, but yeah. the fact he was in that central position going left, right, weaving in and out of the Ajax players, getting the goals, you know, it's definitely his best position yeah. in my opinion. And I think a lot of people would agree. Um, Joe, uh, would you say... Would you agree with that front four, first of all? And what are you expecting from the Man City game? I know it's a bit early to be talking about it, but what are, you, what are your predictions? I'd agree with the front four. Um, and also about Lamella, with his work rate. When teams get punished by City, you see their centre-backs. Like the most completed passes they have is Diaz and Stones. They just roll around the back four and wait for the time. And too many teams sit off them, give them too much respect and let them do that. Mm. When you press their defence and 
you know they don't have the time to pass it they're rushed into doing their passes they do make mistakes and it's, it's one way how Liverpool kept beating and they would just press that back line and they'd make mistakes and Liverpool would pounce and it obviously didn't work too much at Anfield recently but when teams do do that then they're prone to make mistakes as soon as you press the players that pass the most and they, they will get one wrong you know Stones is prone to a mistake especially if you can get Lamella running at them Lucas running him not giving them the time Kane can pick that up and place on him behind I 100% agree that you'll punish them if you if you do that so that's why I'd also play Lamella I was thinking that before you asked him there um it could go either way it's a, it's a one-off game it's there to be 100% I just I could extra time or something. I could see it being level <laughs> ninety, and it'll be a, a nail bite if we're ever watching. Um, especially for the you know, our two thousand fans that hustle. That's been confirmed now. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good watch from a neutral point of view. I do hope Spurs do it. You know, it's about time, surely. And Jose will just be such an interest in watching his post match uh, in interviews if he can <clears> do win the trophy. That'd be great. I, I think the thing is the thing is with Mourinho is yes, he's here for a project, but let's be honest, for his his self, you know. Oh yeah. What do you want to call it? Self-esteem. He 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 is here for the trophy, and when he wins that trophy, he won't give two monkeys whether we, you know, crash or or go up. Because let's be honest, he's gonna he's ticked that box. He's he's gone on to the next club. He's he's won that trophy. To him, obviously, yeah, he might want to win more, but inside, he's really thinking, you know, I've done my job now. I can I can go and get paid out here. I don't really mind. Let's be honest. Isn't that right, David? Yeah. Look. Uh... I, yeah, I believe that. I, I believe he will take that. But at the same time, I do think it, it would have been a failure because I do think he was brought in to be top four. But at the same time, the more I look at things, right, is I genuinely don't believe we have a top four, uh, a top four team. Um, if you take in terms of Liverpool, City, um, Chelsea, United, I nearly even go as far as say as Leicester. Mm. You know what I mean? We don't have a top four squad. So top four probably would be overachieving. Um, and... Look, I I think it's come to a point where I think Jaws is kind of fed up now, to be honest with you, because I'm going to be honest. He, for me, I think he's tried everything. He, like, from the way we were playing to when, where we were when we were the top of the league, then he switched it back to a 4-2-3-1 from the 4-3-3. You know what I mean? He, he, he got a song out of them then. Now, all of a sudden, he's left where we've eight, nine games left. He has to try and find a new formation because... These players are sitting there crying. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that, which they ultimately done under, under Pochettino as well. They were fed mm. up with his training methods. Oh, I don't want to run anymore, this, that, and the other. And you're still seeing players not running now. And for me, I think if he wins a trophy, it might be a case where either he walks, where he's just like, look, you know, the board haven't given me the backing because I genuinely believe they promised him more money than what they gave him. Obviously, the pandemic took, took, took some of that away. But I genuinely believe they promised him more. And... Mm. Like what? What do you expect them to do with, with with that little resources? It's the same as any manager. Like I hear people saying, "Oh, let's bring a Nagels man." Okay, but Pochettino was an attacking coach who wouldn't change his system. Mm. From the November when our league won, uh, league run of the Champions League final went poor, to the November when he got sacked. If that was one season, we would have been relegated. Mm. So bringing in a manager who won't change up his system is not necessarily the best idea, and that's why I argue maybe having someone like Jose this season has got us through the season with being able to, you know, mix it up with tactics and and uh, and different styles of play, this, that, and the other. And it, look, it could also come to a point where the board after the like, Carabao Cup final, whether he wins it or not, could, might turn around and say, look, you haven't got top four, like they've done with mm. Pochettino, no chance of getting top four, you're sacked. But then we're talking 30, 35 million. Then the people that are Josie out, Josie in, they're only going to be sitting here thinking of one person and that's Enoch because Jose is doing them a favour right now by defying the fan base. He's doing them a favour because even like the Jose, the Jose hours, they're sitting there and they'll tell you, look, you know, yeah, the squad's not good enough, the player's not good enough, that player's an idiot, this player's an idiot, but Jose is the problem. Right? But when when Jose goes, like they have, they have no option but to join the rest of the Jose people who are backing Jose because they know, like, you know, okay, he's starting to become a problem but if, if you're talking in terms you're talking board players mm. then Jose you know the problems were here before Jose arrived and when, once he does get sacked even the Jose people that are, are staunch Jose out and just hate the man they have no one no one to look at but Enoch because if they get the next manager that they all want we want Rodgers we want Nagelsmann if he comes in and you know like the guy still like like most other people cannot turn wine or water into wine you know because the players are just shit they're not good enough they can't control the ball they can't pass the ball well, then what are they going to do then? They're going to look straight at Enoch. 
So Enoch have a massive summer on their hands this summer to try and fix this. And uh, they better hope that Jose wins them, the, uh, um, helps win us this Carabao Cup because it might take a small bit of pressure off them. So I'd say they're sitting there hoping we win this Carabao Cup. But David, do you, I completely agree with what you're saying, by the way, but do you think, even if we win next Sunday and pray we do, do you think Jose might go anyway and think, you know, obviously he won't just walk, but what I'm saying is, will those Jose outers still be saying Jose out or will they be saying, you know, okay, we'll give him time or, or do you think he might go anyway? Um, no, look, the Jose outers, they won't give him time. Regardless, they're like, uh, you know, I, I, I speak to a lot of them and they all say, look, even if he wins Carabao Cup, I want him gone. You know, so, um, but me, look, personally, if Josie wants to stay and there is money available to fix this defence adequately, you know, even the right back as well, and then you can kind of get rid of a few players. We have Skip coming back in. We have Session mm-hmm. come back in and provides competition for places. Also frees up probably Ben Davies and Harry Winks um, to be sold if you really, if you want to go down that route. So for me, I'm at a point is, if they have the money to go out and get the players that Jose wants, that he believes can can improve this team, because let's face it, if he can have that defence top of the league for a period, right, he can get us all the way to the late stages of the Europa League, get us to a Carabao Cup final. Well, then, you know, I, I get the Arsenal defeat was hard to take. The, the Zagreb um, getting knocked out by Zagreb was hard to take. I get that. But there's also been so much promise. So imagine what he could do if you gave him a centre-back partnership, if you gave him a proper right-back. Because, look, mm-hmm. Wolves sold Doherty, right? A right-wing-back who's playing right-wing-back for them. They sold him. They switched to a back four. And the reason why they sold him is because they knew he obviously couldn't play a right-back. Mm. But Tottenham comes along. He's cheap. He's a deal. Not thinking, you know, not asking questions. Yeah, let's take him in. So they bought a right-wing-back to play a right-back. Yeah, Doesn't sense. make sense. No. You know what I mean? So for me, I think... I would I would back Jaws next next season if the money is there. If the money's not there, well then I do think we need to change manager because mm. I just think that you know with with the likes of falling out with the likes of Toby and all that's fine if he if like now if he can rotate and get them players out this summer and getting players he wants. But if that's not going to be the case, that's not going to be fine going into next season. So he will have to go. hundred percent. I think like you said, if the money's not there, he might have to go. But. But the thing, the, the thing that baffles me is if the money's not there and we've got this massive payout, you know, this massive clause with Jose and we've got so much money tied up in Mourinho's contract, you know, the most amount of money ever in a manager by far at this club. Yeah. Why, why are we not backing the manager? And I think Joe will be able to answer this one because, and he probably won't actually be able to answer it because it doesn't make sense to him. But what I'm saying is if we've got so much money tied up in this glamorous manager, why are we not backing him? You know, Joe, maybe you could answer, answer that one. It doesn't make sense. It's like no. investing so much in this in this project and movement, but then they're kind of you know putting barriers in the way themselves. And if you do sack and pay him out, I think most Tottenham fans, or even if they are Jose, out, would you not rather have that money that you need to pay him out, what thirty mil, or whatever? Would you not rather just put that towards a world class centre back? Surely that mm-hmm. makes sense. Just give him the transfer. I mean, it and that's half weird. the like, money. Yeah, that's half the money yeah, for they, a world class centre back. So. They've brought this guy in and they tied up so much money because of the belief, because of, you know, the vision. But then they're not, they're getting in the way of their own, you know, progression. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm. I, I can't, I can answer it in terms of being baffled and, you know, highlight the issue. But I can't answer it because I don't think anyone really can other than them, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. And, and lads, if you're looking at it from the outside in, both Pochettino and George Mourinho, they can't both be bad managers. They're both world-class managers in their own right. So mm-hmm. that just tells you that, you know, the problems is deeper than the manager. You know, we, we're going to go down the route of, of getting rid of the manager because it's the cheapest option, but then we're going down the route of where Arsenal are at. And eventually, we're going to get in some nobody, you know, like another Pep Conboy, you know, um, who has no experience, but it's the only manager we can attract. Because when people look at things from the outside in, even another, uh, another world-class manager to come in, even, even the likes of Nagelsmann, who, who, who would have visions of going to Madrid, like even a manager like that, they'd all be looking in and saying, okay, the players are shit, right? Um, the, the board just back the players up and get rid of the manager. They make everything a manager problem. They don't back the managers with, sign- with signings. And Mauricio Pochettino and Jose Mourinho are two world-class managers, but they both can't be bad managers. So maybe the manager's job is a poison chalice. It's damned if you do and damned if you don't. Mm. So I'm not going there. 
So we're going to have huge problems even trying to get in a manager if that's the case. Correct, 100%. Like, you can't just expect... The, the managers that will be linked will be looking at it and going, well, Mourinho couldn't make these players work. Pochettino is now a PSG world-class manager. He couldn't get the players to get the, go the final distance. You know, Brendan Rodgers isn't going to suddenly make us a I mean, Premier League winner with that squad, is he? Or, or whoever it may be, Narklesman. So I think you're completely right. And this summer is huge. And I think, I think that's the best way to summarise it. There's n- it's an impossible job if someone comes in with this squad at the moment. Yeah. We need to completely reinvest. We need to get rid of the dead wood. And we need to really, really just sort it out in terms of where does Enoch really want this club to go? Does he, does he want top yeah. six, fill the stadium every week, watch very average football with a very average side? You know, something needs to happen this summer. You need two or three big, big signings and we need four or five big, big transfers out because it is getting ridiculous. Go on, David. Uh, look, another thing that people don't realise is as well is a lot of the players that Mourinho is having to work with now, if you think back to it, under the Proch Prime era, they were all only ever backups. They were never, ever really stars. You know what I mean? Like, so once Pochettino lost one Yama, Dembele, Walker, Rose... His whole, his whole thing fell apart. Mm. He couldn't get the backup players who were there all that long to come in and play the way he wanted. Even Tristan. And then when Mourinho took over, he's also lost Jan Vertonghen and Christian Eriksen. So that's two more players from that era. Mm-hmm. And now he's left with the shit of the Pochettino squad. That's what he's left with. Yep. Bar, bar obviously like Hugo, Kane and Son. But the rest of it is all backup players. Dyer, Sanchez, Davies. Um, you know what I mean? Sissoko, Winks. Lamella, Lucas, none of them ever really were prime players underneath Pochettino. And this is what Jaws has left to work with. That's on the board. 100%, yeah. That's one way of looking at it. Like, I've obviously, I've realised that's the case, but now you put it out like that, you know, technically eight or nine of the starting 11 under the Poch prime era at Wild Lane when we were undefeated. Like you said, Moussa Dembele, Christian Eriksen, Jan Vertonghen, Danny Rose, Carl Walker. You know, they're all gone. They're all gone. They've all gone to either, they've all got either too old or they've gone to better clubs. And that's what's yeah. happened. And that's what's going to happen this summer if we don't sort something out. Because Kane's going to look at it and go, okay, I'm 27 now, nearly 28. I need to, yeah. I need to get some trophies in my career. I'm going to look at my career as a pretty under, undervalued player. Hung Min Son's going to think, you know, I'm 29 next year. Maybe I've got one more big contract. They're not going to stay unless something happens above, including but manager. Not only that, you're talking Hugo Lloris. He's 33, 34 now. He's mm. going to want to go to PSG retire. Of course he You're is. You're talking um, Toby Alderweireld. He's gone this summer. Mm-hmm. So then we have fuck all left. You're you know right. What I mean, we're going back to Martin Yolier if that's the case, if you lose Kane and Son as well. I think that summarizes that point nicely. And um, 100%, we could talk about this for weeks, but yeah. I'm going yeah. to wrap that bit up and move on to the QA. Right, guys, so now we're at the Q&A bit of the podcast. As always, we um, did a story on Spurs Related Instagram and asked uh, followers to send in their best questions for us and the Irish Hotspur. So are you ready, David? Let's go. I'm ready for this. I'm excited. All right, so we start off with a, with a fairly normal one. And uh, Miles J. Cork, 23, on Instagram asked, who should be our centre-backs for the cup final with Rodon cup-tied? Oh, that's interesting. Look, I would go with Toby Alderweireld and I would go with Tanganga at centre-back. Look, I just... Sanchez, you don't know what you're going to get with him. For me, you know, when, when, when it's in front of him, he's good. When the ball's playing in behind him, I call him GPS because he, he doesn't know where the ball is. He needs a tracker to find it. You've seen it time and time again this season. Ball over the top. Davis Sanchez doesn't know where it is. Look what happened against City. Face plant. He was laying on the ground like Homer Simpson. You know what I mean? So for me, um, no, look, I play Tangang in there. At least he's going to have the heart, the desire, the passion. And when I've seen him play there before, I think he's been very good. And mm. I just, I cannot have moon boots. And just just why people, like, just get to understand why I call him moon boots. The reason why I call him moon boots is because every time the guy goes to make a pass or kicks a ball, it goes straight into the into orbit. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm on the phone to NASA, I'm like, yeah, just send that rocket up there, click that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's sickening. So I go with Toby and Tanganga. Oh, brilliant. Moon boots. We will not forget that one. Um, fair enough. We'll, we'll ask Joe. Go on, Joe. Who would you play centre-back? I'd agree, just because you can't trust GPS on moon boots. So I just, yeah, you, <laughs> it's so great. You got you don't know what you're going to get with him. And I think even though Tanganga is more inexperienced, I feel like, yeah, he's got more desire. And I just feel like 
he could have a, the game of his life and it could really propel his career. And I think next to Toby Alderweire, he'll be looked after well. So I think that's probably mm. the, the best call. Okay. Next one's from at Umar Foul XZ. I've definitely got that wrong, but we'll carry on. Uh, he asks or she asks, what striker would you take to back up Kane, David? Me? See, oh, this one's hard. Right, look, I would go for... I'm thinking, look, if Newcastle get relegated, I'd go and take Callum Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he'd be a, a good backup on the bench for Harry Kane. Um, you're also talking maybe Bellotti, um, uh, the, the team he's playing with in Italy, they're in big trouble at the minute. So um, it's looking like they might have to sell him in the summer. So he'll go cheap. There's Bellotti there. True, yeah. But look, we should have had, we should be talking about Tridini right now. Because I was listening to the podcast Tridini done. He was all set to come in. And then out of nowhere, Carlos Vinicius arrived at Tottenham. It should never happen. We should already have a Premier League experienced striker on the bench to come on and help change the game, come on mm-hmm. with Harry Kane or someone to play when Harry Kane needs rest. We shouldn't be talking about Vinicius. Look, Vinicius <laughs> has done a job. At, well, I'm not being funny. I can score goals against Marine. I can score goals against um, you know, part-time electricians during the day and then playing football at night. That's what we played mostly yeah. in Europe. Mm. I, I could score goals. Do you know so would mean? you not I, sign him? Would you not sign him? Um, no, I, I wouldn't because look, he's when he's in the box, yeah, he's a portrait, good, but we've got away with it this season. So, Harry Kane usually misses about two months through injuries. Mm-hmm. We got away with it this season, we got lucky, he's been fit more or less all season. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen with Vinicius, is he doesn't get involved in the game, he waits for the ball to get to him. And sometimes, as a striker, when that's not working, you need to have the nose and it and, and it up here, the brains to just say, okay, I'm gonna drop deep, I'm gonna get on the ball, I'm gonna get my team up the field. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do, he doesn't do it. He's not great technically either. So for me, on that basis, if we're talking about you know needing players, because I want a player to come in that I'm confident will hit the net, I'm confident will play. Danny Ings is another one, his contract is up. And um, come the summer, his contract he has one year left on it. So Southampton mm-hmm. might be forced strategy. So go and put in a bid for Danny Ings, another Premier League proven striker. Yeah. We'll get you both. That's what I want on my bench. I don't want no Carlos. But will, will Danny Ings, Ings God, sorry. Will Danny Ings want to be on the on the bench at a Premier League team or will he want to be on the starting lineup? Um, look, he went to Liverpool knowing that he'd be on he would be on the bench. And you know what I mean? At the end of the day, does he want to go to a, does he want to go back to a big club or does he not? Mm-hmm. He's not going to go to a big club and start week in, week out. No. But what he could do is go to a big club and, and help them win trophies, help score the goals. Because when you don't have your main men or your talisman or someone's not on form getting the goals, what you need is someone else to come in, a different option. And then, like you've seen it with Liverpool um, the year they won the league. You know, if Mo Salah or, 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 or Mane wasn't, or Firmino wasn't scoring, they'd just bring on Divock Origi or Shakiri and they got them a goal. You yeah. know what I mean? We, we, need that we don't have that. Bench. Yeah. We don't have this shit of bringing in an unknown quantity hoping it works out. I, I, we're Tottenham Hotspur. We supposedly built the stadium and the training complex, moving in the right right direction and bring the best in. I don't want to hear any more of these excuses. Are oh, they going to come and sit on the bench? Look, it, 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 you know what I mean? Because if, if they're not, I don't want them to be honest because that's the wrong mentality. I want them to come here and think it. I can challenge Kane for his place. Mm. When I get my minutes, I'm going to be ready when the manager calls upon me to go out there and, t- and, and, and take my opportunity. So for me, uh, look, I, I think it's I think it's a lot of shit personally because, you know, if if, if every other top team team around the world can have a decent backup striker, why can't Tom? We've I'm like since Harry Kane has come through, we've had five years to get this sorted. Yeah. We've had you five years to pick up even even what City done when they had Aguero, when they got Jesus, they yeah. nurtured him. Mm-hmm. We and- we could have even done that, but we haven't. No, and you know what? The best I think the best people might say I'm being controversial with it, but the best backup striker we've had in about five, six years, like you said, is probably Fernando Lorente because he's been yeah. a proven scorer. He actually, you know, he's not the best on the ball, like we know, but he got the job done in the big games. He scored in the Champions League quarterfinal. He scored in a few big games in the league. And do you know what? Yeah, he wasn't the most mobile player, but he's a well-known, a bit like Cavani. He's a well-known striker, maybe not quite Cavani's level, but he's a well-known striker and he got us goals. And and since that, I mean, or even before that, we had Soldado, um, Janssen. Yeah. It's just not been good enough, has it? And And like you said, we've had so many years to figure this one out. Um, I would agree, Joe. Very quickly, um, who would you who would you bring in as a backup striker, or would you keep Vinicius? I said Ings a few podcasts ago, and it ruffled some feathers. So I'm a big advocate of Ings. I've loved him for a long time. Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. He, he was well loved at our club, which didn't work out with injuries. I'd say that's one of the 
the big issues with him. Obviously, Kane has a bit injury prone, and Danny Ings is really prone to having injuries as well. So mm-hmm. whether you'd want to take the gamble, but he is a great goal scorer. Like last year, he got 22 Premier League goals. Like he knows what he's doing. He's a great player. And I think he'd he'd work well. I wouldn't play obviously with Kane, but the way Kane plays could improve his game as well. Like behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Um, but the thing is, even if you buy someone like Kings, do you know the way Harry Kane? Um, sorry, Joe. Do you know the way Harry Kane drops deep to pick up the ball? You even have that option of playing yeah. Harry Kane in number ten and playing that striker ahead of him. Someone will pay us to get him behind. Easily, hundred percent. I like that because I mean, because you all know Harry Kane can shoot, so you know you've a double threat now. Mm. And it gives yeah, you need a good backup striker. Everyone, as I said, like Jesus and even Leicester. I know they've started playing together now, but they had Ian Acho on the bench. He was a good outlet. You know. Chelsea, you've got Tang Abraham and um, Giroud kind of knocking about on the bench, and Giroud's a great player. So mm. um, I know it's not going to go down that. too well on a Spurs podcast, but um, you say yeah, that it, though. You say that though. We we had the option to buy Giroud when we bought um, Vinicius, and, and we had, we were linked with Dini, and we were linked with Giroud. Now, do you know what? Even though he was an Arsenal player and now he's a Chelsea player, he's still a. He is. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He, he, he has proved he can be an absolute world class striker. He scores goals in big games. He's not like a bit like Lorente. He's not the most mobile striker, but he gets the goals when you need them. And we haven't got that off the bench, like Joe's saying. We have not got that at all. Yes, Vinicius can score goals, but like David's saying, we haven't really seen him in the big games. We've seen him play against part-time electricians and, you know, shopkeepers. So yeah. it's spot on. It is spot on. You wanted to stay in London as well. Honestly, me, you and Joe could go out there and form the front three and still bang in the goals. Yeah, 100% against Marine anyway, for sure. Now we're going to move on. Another, and I'm just going to pick up another um, question. Uh, let's go for uh, Atjin Parente asks, after winning the championship with Norwich, a bit early we're saying that, but it looks like they're going to, do you think that Oli Skip will get into our starting eleven, David? Uh, first of all, I love his confidence because I do believe they're going to walk away with it. I do believe they're going to be, um, they're going to win it and be promoted anyway. But Oli Skip, no. For me, look, Harry stinks. He's been here for so long. He's done absolutely nothing. Mr. Sideways, Mr. Backwards, Mr. Safe. That's safe, you know what I mean? Sometimes I'd say his missus gets pissed off with him, you know, because there's no risk, risk in him. Um, and for me, look, he has to go. He's been living at the club for too long on this. Oh, I've been, I, you know, I'm homegrown. I'm from the academy. He's, he's been living off it for too long, way too long. For me, Tom Carroll offered more than what Harry Winks ever did. You know what I mean? It's the exact same situation. So for me, Harry stinks. He has to go. You bring back in Ali Skip and you just get him to, um, you know, do what he's been doing at Norwich. He's going to come in. He's going to provide competition. And he's a perfect backup for Heiberg as well. Perfect. Because Harry Winks, he doesn't even like to get stuck in. He just runs with the player. Anytime he plays, we get overrun in the middle. And I'm sick of him. I've been campaigning for about four years for this guy to be sold. And I think finally I'm going to get my wish this summer. So uh, he has to go. And you bring Ali Skip back in. And he comes in, he has the fire. And because, look, Pochettino rated Ali Skip. He always used to bring him off the bench and yeah, give him minutes. Did, yeah. Mourinho is a big fan of Ali Skip as well. So for me, Ali Skip, he's perfect to come back in. He's got the the year of men's football behind him. He's absolutely busted. He comes into this Tottenham midfield. He walks in ahead of Winks and mm. Sissoko. So on that basis, mm. he stays. And Shippa Musa Sissoko train and Harry Stinks. <laughs> spot on, spot on. And like you said, I, I tell you what, I forgot about Tom Carroll and blimey, we've had some bad centre mids, haven't we? I mean, don't get me wrong, Tom Carroll was very young when he was at Spurs, but oh my word, yeah, comparing him to that, that you, you summed it up. Harry Stinks has, has not been a, a brilliant Tottenham player. And, and a bit like we said last podcast, Joe, Harry Winks with, with Holly, Harry Winks is living off um, that Real Madrid game in 2017. Yeah. He really is. He's got that on repeat on DVD in his household, 100%. I reckon he watches it every night when he gets a lot of abuse on social media. Us um, fans allow this to happen, though, as well. We allow it to happen because we always make excuses for these players. Always. You know what I mean? You, you go with Sanchez, but he's shit. He costs your goals. Oh, yeah, but he has he has all the attributes to be world-class. Okay, he has all the attributes, but he's not. He's shit. You know what I mean? Harry Winks. You know, oh, there's a player in there. Okay, but what, what do we want us to do? Like, he's 24, 25 now. He's another four or five years left at the top. He still doesn't know his position. So what are we supposed to do? Just keep him here. Just because mm-hmm. there, there is a player in there. I couldn't give a shit. You don't perform within a year or two. You're out of my club and you're gone. End of. Football's yeah. a rootless game. We need to be rootless. Us fans need to stop making excuses for sentimental reasons for these players. If not good enough, ship them out. End of. And this I've... is why we're at this position. 
Mm. I think like like you were saying there, making excuses is one thing maybe for a year or two, but when it's become four or five years and you're still living off that game, you're still living off one or two games, you know, the Fulham away game where he scored the winner and the Real Madrid game where he did play nine out of ten, let's be the honest. The Fulham game was torture as well. He was lucky he got the winner because the amount of mistakes he made, he was lucky he got that winner because I would have been on the first plane over there. <laughs> It's far on, right? We'll move on before we, Harry Winks comes up too much again. Uh, <laughs> um, well, what are we going to ask? We're going to ask um, this one is from at Sev underscore Bissaka. Not sure if he's related to Wan Bissaka or not. We'll never know. But uh, he asks why other managers can build teams after difficult times and Jose can't. So basically, I've read that. Well, I've read it how he's put it. But um, why why can't why can't other managers? Um, why can't Jose do what other managers can do and, and bring the best from a team? I think that's what he's asking for. Yeah, look, that, that that's a fair statement. But look, Pochettino, ultimately, after his first season, he was allowed to get rid of 12, 12 to 14 players that summer window. Mm. He was allowed a massive rebuild. You know what I mean? In order to get to the stage where he got his team and mm. then progressed it from there. Um, and the reason why he was allowed to do that is because none of them players were his players. He had to be able to get rid of them, generate money and bring in his own players. We were at a very similar stage. Look, at the end of the day, people are expecting Mourinho to come in here and work wonders. But like I stated before, if he has the absolute crap of Pochettino's squad left to work with, mm. right, which he's getting the best out of. Lucas Moore has never played so many games. Lamella has never played that many games. You know what I mean? He's got the best out of Endombele. Pochettino couldn't get him on the pitch. Pochettino barely played La Celso. Mourinho, you know, OK, he's been injured a lot this season, but... Um, when Mourinho first came in, we got the best assessor we've ever seen at Tottenham. So he is actually working. It's just the quality of the players he has to work with. Agreed. And in order for this to change, like I said, it doesn't matter what manager you bring in, we have to go down this route. It's not as massive as when Poch came in and was allowed to get rid of them 12 to 14 players. But there's definitely eight to nine players there that we can say needs to go. And until that happens, this club is going nowhere. Mm. It's going nowhere until that happens. I couldn't care whether we back Mourinho or whether we bring in another manager and back them. They yeah. have to be back and they have to be allowed to rotate this squad and make it their own squad. Look, in terms of man management, you know, I was um, just uh, quickly, I was watching uh, an interview Danny Rose done uh, mm. with Mourinho and he was crying. He was there like, you know, when I played against Liverpool, you can hardly expect me to come in, play my best game after not playing for four weeks. And I'm sitting there like, Whatever happened to being ready when the manager calls upon you? Instead of making these excuses, whatever happened to being ready? Okay, now is my chance. I'm going to come in and I'm going to take it. When is, when is mm. that gone out the window? We've mm. come to a point at Tottenham where we're begging players to come out on the pitch, whereas it should be the other way around. They should be showing the manager why they should be out on the pitch. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it's just come, it, it's, it's just come shit. And look, with Mourinho, I think... I know there's an argument for saying, you know, he doesn't stick around at clubs for long. But the board brought Mourinho in thinking that they'd be able to, he would be able to cover up the magnitude of this rebuild. Right? And mm -hmm. what it's done is, it's actually all it's done is it's just exposed it even more. And for me, you, for me, you have to back Mourinho to fix this because with his CV... You know what I mean? They're, they're the trophies we want to be winning. So for me, you back you you back Mourinho this summer, and and you let you let him bring in the players because he will deliver the trophies. But in terms of why he hasn't done is what other managers have done, it's because he hasn't been afforded the time to do it. That's why. Like where he's been okay, people could say, oh, but he's had transfer windows, but it's been during the middle of a pandemic when no one's spending the money, no one's selling players mm -hmm. because they can't afford to replace them. So. I do think it's very harsh. He, we have to do, we have to allow him to do what what Pochettino was allowed to do, what Redknapp was allowed to do, what Martin Yo was allowed to do. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and like you said, yeah, he hasn't had the, the facilities or the money to spend what he wants yet. It's not his team. He's picking up the pieces from the Poch era, and I think actually, like you were saying earlier, it's made me think about it a bit differently. How many managers will go in after that shambolic squad? with a few uh, brilliant individuals like Kane, Son, Lloris and, and so on, and and be able to put us in sixth or seventh or wherever we are, get us to a Carabao Cup final. Yes, we messed up the Europa League, but in all seriousness, not many managers would get us in that position with this squad. So I think you're spot on with what you say there. Um, Joe, have you got anything to add on that or or do you just completely well, What else can I say? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah no. I mean... He has any set given. It's not his fault. He keeps getting scapegoated when there's a lot of you know deeper issues there. So mm. he's he's kind of been put there as the front man. It's 100%. very easy to scape. It's very easy to scapegoat Mourinho because of the character he is. 
It's very yeah, easy to make everything his problem. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not Tottenham. Let's be let's be fair. He's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. He protects the players in the press after the game. People are saying, oh, he's not watching the same game. Us. How can he do that? He, he, he gives out about the players in the press after the game. Oh, his man management. You can't do that nowadays. This, that, mm. and the other. So whatever he does, people are just going to make scapegoat. He can't win. He can't win. You're right. Yeah, he can't win. Um, we're going to move on. Uh, at Barnaby W06 on Instagram asks, um, thoughts on re-signing Kyle Walker? I'm not sure if he means Kyle Walker-Peters or actual Kyle Walker. But either way, I'm going to spin it off. I'm going to spin it off and ask you if it's about um, Kyle Walker-Peters, which I don't think it is, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think that was a mistake selling him? Because obviously he's had a good season at Southampton and our right-back position has been a dreadful. Do you think Kyle Walker-Peters would walk back into this first uh, team, David? Um, no, I don't think so. Look, for me, the, the guy, the kid had had chances and the same thing was happening down that right-hand side. Look, and he's playing in the Southampton team. They're worse off than us. They concede more goals than us. Mm. They're way more inconsistent than us. And when we played them at the start of the season, Sun just kept on doing the same move off him every single time, running inside, in behind, put the ball in the net. Mm. For me, Kyle Walker-Peters... No, I, I, I wouldn't re-sign him. I do think there's better out there. Kyle Walker, 100% I take back at the club. Look, I don't with Kyle think, Walker, yeah. we sold him. Mm. We sold him. Now, instead of using that money to go and get another world-class right-back to come in, mm. we, we already had Trippier at the club, tried to bring him in. We went in the boss, signed Serge Aurier. We've now signed Matt Doherty. And now we're trying to push Tanganga out there to try and fill that right-back. Whereas what we should have done is just use that money to buy an adequate right-back in the first place. We've tried mm. to fill it four times cheaply, which has cost us just as much 100%. as what we sold them for. And just just going on the Matt Doherty thing, because obviously it would be rude not to mention, obviously you being Irish yourself. What, what what are your thoughts on Matt Doherty? Do you think it's a bit unfair with the with the Spurs, um, you know, people on social media and Spurs fans saying, you know, what a waste of a signing? Or do you think, you know, it's fair enough, he's, he's absolutely shambolic signing? Look, just because he's Irish, I'm not going to sit here and defend him. He's absolutely shit. He's not good enough. Um, to be honest with you, I'm raging that he's the Irish flag bearer at Tottenham because Ireland have a good history of um, of Probably having players at Tottenham. Yeah. Probably can. And for him to be carrying that flag right now, it absolutely kills me. It mm. kills me. You know what I mean? Thank God there is the Irish Hotspur AKME out there because I redeem him. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, he can't pass a ball, he can't cross a ball, and he can't defend against Arsenal. The same thing kept on happening, right? So... Pass the ball inside, just put it back in behind Doherty. There, there, there. Tierney mm. ran onto it. Now, after about five or six times, you know, you're sitting there thinking, okay, same thing keeps happening. So maybe I'm not going to dive in. I'm going to hold my position. Mm. No, Doherty keeps doing the exact same thing. It's the definition so of I, insanity, isn't it? Doing I, the same level, thing. You just can't be doing that. Mm. Doing the you same thing. You just can't thing. be doing it. And for me, look, he's shit. Even for Ireland, he's been absolutely dog shit. You know, people were talking about this man replacing Coleman. I was as well. But ever since he's come in, he, he, he's actually worse for Ireland than what mm. he is for Tottenham. Yeah, it's bad, and the same it? thing, whenever the ball's passed out to Doherty, rather than take charge of it and try and get down the wing, try and get a ball in or try and do something with it, he passes it straight back into trouble. Mm. And then when we lose the ball, he's caught out upfield. He's after giving it away. And then he's not getting back. So for me, no, he has to go. He's absolutely shit and he's pissing me off. I can't stand watching him. He has to go. Just because he's Irish, I'm not going to sit here and defend him. Nah, fair enough, fair enough. And if anything, by the sounds of things, you're actually more annoyed about it because, he, like you said, he's the flag bearer for Ireland. And and 100%, well, I just don't understand what's happened to him. That's another subject. Anyway, we're going to move on. I'm sure Joe agrees with what... Um, <laughs> what the Irish Hotspurs saying there anyway. Um, so I'm going to mix it up now. I'm going to ask a question... Um, I'm going to protect their right actually for this one. So, ready, ready for this one, David? Uh, what horse did you have for the Grand National? Look, to be honest with you, I'm actually allergic to horses, lads. So, I don't, I, you know what I mean? And I, I'll tell you how I found that out, actually. So, in, in school, in, in, in fourth year, it's kind of like a transition year. So, you have your junior sort, you have like a transition year to kiss about, and then you go into your leaving sort. Right. So, in the fourth year, we were doing horse riding. And I was up on this horse, absolutely loving life, galloping away, delighted, right? Next thing I could feel the, the, the helmet getting tighter and tighter and tighter. I was like, this isn't right. So I got off the horse, lad, took off the helmet. My whole head had ballooned up, lad, hives all over, all red, everything else. And by the time I got back from, because what, they made, what, what the school actually made me do, right, is made me sit there till everyone else finished and join their day rather than get me seen to. 
So by the time I got back from school and my ma picked me up, my throat had nearly closed as well. So I nearly died last. So I had to go I had to go and get a hape of injections and shit like that. But no, I'm actually allergic to horses, lads. So I don't even back horses anymore. You know, I used to do an out sneaky bet. Um, you know, even when I was in school, I used to do an out sneaky bet. But since I found out I was allergic to horses, lad, I don't back them at all. Well, that's fair enough, and that's a story that's definitely going to be clipped many times. But um, obviously, you're allergic to them, but you don't you don't have to be allergic to um, putting a bet on, I guess. But I guess it's that association with not you having that bad experience, I guess, right? But see, it's the horse hair as well, and a lot of people over here in Ireland that go to the bookies are all people off the stud farms with the horse hair now. So I can't really even be around them. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. I like I'm high, I mean I'm highly allergic to horses, like. So I can't oh, even right. really be in a bookies or or anywhere That's like crazy. like even if there's someone like that walks by me and like you know they have the horse jacket on and like you know I get all sneezy, my eyes water up and everything. I'm highly allergic. Like wow, wow, that is um one story to tell for everyone. I mean, an it's Irish not person good to living in Ireland, considering no. I'm surrounded by horses and it's the home. It's it, it's the home of um for for horses to be reared and and put through mm. the paces and everything with the corral oh, wow. and everything. You know what I mean? So oh, it's, wow. it's not it's not ideal. So you, you didn't actually back one. So so that question is out the window. And it, we've had a good story out of that anyway. So um out the window, but it's a good story. Okay. Uh at Emil Ed Goosh asks, uh, how do you say bottle in Irish? Bottle. <laughs> oh stupid. <laughs> no, if you would have said like the number three, you know what <laughs> I mean? That's a different story. But bottle I'm... is bottle. I I, I don't know. Uh... I, I don't know what he's trying to get at there. I think what he's trying to get at is obviously bottle and Tottenham, but I think he's trying to be funny. Um but we're oh, letting yeah, him have no, his like, So like no bottle, like bottle job, that sort of like you know what I mean? Mm. All right, well, yeah. we've got the answer to that one. Thank you, Emil, for that question. Um, we've got we've got one or two more questions. Uh, we could go for a more serious one now. We've had a bit of a laugh. Uh, we've got another one from Barnaby06. Says, thoughts on the Bergwijn situation at the moment? Um, look, it's, it, to be honest with you, it's another sign in the Tottenham board that ne- never done the homework on. Look, he came mm. in, yeah, he scored a couple of goals, but he's, he's not great. Like, we're saying the right winger. The least I expect him to do is be able to be technically good. What I've seen, especially over this season with Bergwijn, is it's taken him two, three touches to get the ball under control, which means with a player like him with his space who can exploit can exploit it when he has pace and he's mm. running at them, you know, his space is being narrowed and people are just taking the ball off him. And mm. for me, uh, look, I sign a right winger to praise him for assisting the goals. I don't sign, I, I, I don't praise a right winger for tracking back and doing the defensive side of the game. Mm. Uh, it's just not me. You know, you're signing the right winger to contribute going forward, not defensively. Mm. And for me, being honest, I don't think it's going to work out. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of these players with potential, in order for them to make the grade and be, world, be, be top quality, you not only have to have the ability, but you have to have it up here mentally to succeed. And the reason why I say that, you look at like Svadel Tarat, Ravel Morrison, players who had bags of ability, you know what I mean? But if you don't have it up here to succeed mm-hmm. and that drive, that that work ethic, you're never going to succeed. And for me with Bergwijn, I just don't think he has it. And I think he will get another year at Tottenham, but if he doesn't produce next season for you me, go, yeah. you're going to have to transfer list him. Do you know, I was watching an um, interview, it was Rio Ferdinand uh, interviewing Raheem Sterling earlier. And uh, Sterling, uh, Rio Ferdinand asked him, what's the difference between your last two or three seasons where you've scored 20, 30 goals and when you were at Liverpool or you're starting years at Man City? And yeah. he said it was, like you said, up here and getting rid of the party and in his life. He said that. He said, I don't think he actually said that, but he said basically... Outside of football, he's been a lot better. He's been the athlete. He's been the mindset. He's focusing on records mm. rather than in his spare time. He's thinking about going for a quick pint up the pub or, or whatever he does in his spare time. I'm sure he was a bit of a party boy, uh, as we know. But I think that is, like you said, the difference, the off-the-pitch um, attitude as well as the on-the-pitch attitude. And maybe Bergwijn, I think he's 23 or 20, 22 or 23. So he's, he's still got that in him where he's thinking not only about football, he's thinking about what he's, he's going to be doing on his weekend, probably after the football. And um, I think you're spot on there. I think if he's, got, he's got another year in him. And, you know, and like you said, like the fact he has the space, he would have had that space in the Dutch league. We end the Premier League now, pal. You know, you've got to do your bit. You've got to, yeah. you've got to run. You've got to make sure you're sharp as anything. Um, I think you're spot on there. Joe, you got anything to add about Bergwijn maybe quickly? The fact that he's so young does give a little... You know, a bit of hope that he, mm. he could switch on in a couple of years because the fact he's still getting picked for the, for the Dutch team obviously shows that he, they they rate him as well. Mm. Um, mm. But that's the thing, like 
when you're saying about you know earlier on the podcast, you were like, who, who would you play on the right? I forgot Bergwijn even existed at your club. Yeah, to be honest, fair enough. You yeah. didn't even come into my mind as an option. That Liverpool place. game killed him. He was sorry. That Liverpool game killed him where he missed two chances. Oh, it's such an easy chance, isn't it? I can believe it. It's just hopefully he can you know switch it on and train and become better in the next couple of years because he's so young still. It's, it's crazy, and he could be a really good player. Obviously, you sign him for a reason with that with that hope, but. At the moment, he's just not good enough. So yeah, I think spot on another year or so. And if he's not good, just offload him for a bit, a bit less of the price he bought him for. Hopefully, I don't know if you can even get anywhere near that. Mm, but no, it was quite a big him. fee, but yeah, yeah it was. I don't think we're going to make our money back. Um, but you know, like David said, what's going to happen in the next year? We're not too sure with Spurs. Maybe he'll get his chance again. Um, that's all the questions I have. I'm actually going to ask one myself, which I've just thought up on the spot. Now, David, I'm going to put you on the spot now, and I think it would summarize the podcast lovely with you. But um. Tell us about your funniest memory, either at a Spurs game or as a Spurs fan, that you've remembered over over however many years you've been a Spurs fan. What's been the funniest moment, whether you're out with your mates or whatever it may be? Tell, tell us a little Spurs story for us. Um, let me think. Let me think now. So, look, I would say back back when we had Saldado, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Anytime the- Anytime the guy got a chance, like um, anytime he, he missed, we, 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 if we were down in the pub watching the game, we'd take a shot. And by the end of it, we'd be absolutely, um, you know, bladdered, um, absolutely um, cockeyed because, you know, the guy couldn't hit a barn door. So, you know, it became, it became a bit of a bad game, really. You know, I used to spend all the money. The girlfriend used to go mad then and everything else because I'd have no money left coming out because of all the shots I'd be taking. But um, that'd be one. And then... Um, let me think. I don't really know. So you caught me off guard there. You should have given me that question before the podcast, man. So I could, so I could <laughs> think about it. I've so many, man. I've so many. Uh, it's all good. It was all good. That's a good one anyway. Uh, I did put you on the spot a bit there, but um, nonetheless. So a drinking game. I yeah, I think we might need to do that with another player soon. But um, if we lose Kane anyway, we might have, God knows who. But um, no, nah, David, it's been, it's been brilliant, mate. And um, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And obviously, guys, go check out David. Uh, the Irish Hotspur. Links will be in the description of our um, Instagram post and obviously on the YouTube video down below. Go and sub him. He's doing his bit on we are Tottenham TV as well so go and check that out every game is it every match day at 3 p.m uh, every match day at 3 p.m yeah the pre-match bump up on we are Tottenham uh, TV um, but also my channel just smash the subscribe button but the boys here absolutely I've really enjoyed this thanks so much for having me on and what I'd say to anybody who's listening or watching you know what I mean smash the subscribe on the boys YouTube channel mm. let's let's give them a massive push for 1k there's 55,000 of you on Instagram surely you can get off the YouTube and smash that subscribe and get them to a thousand very very shortly but I've really enjoyed my time here today lads it's been a pleasure and I can't wait to get you get you to come on to onto my show no worries at all and and yeah Yeah. that would be brilliant thank you so much for that and um like we said guys we don't need to say it again just go and check him out um thank you very much um our shots but it's been a pleasure i'm sure we'll have you on again no 100 look i told you anytime you want me to come on or or the fans maybe out there request me which i doubt but you never know they might be peppering you saying getting back on again i'm sure they will be i'm here I'm sure there will be after this episode and um, it's been actually probably our longest one. So we're going to put some timestamps in for the main talking points, the Q&A, et cetera. So you guys don't have to miss or you can miss whichever bits you want and skip to the good bits. Um, Joe, thank you very much as always, mate, um, joining me once again, same time again next week uh, where we've got another guest. Um, so cheers again. Cheers. It's been, a, it's been a good laugh, this one. It's been a good laugh. And as always, guys, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Irish Hotspur. Um, follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, whatever you're listening to us on now. Make sure you check us out on the other platforms. And obviously, uh, give this video a big thumbs up and comment who you want to see next or what you want to see next on the videos. Um, so, yeah, guys, you've been listening to the Spurs Related Podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again next time. Take care. Bye-bye. When Ozzy's dream come true. Now it's 1991, the Spurs know what to do. It's lucky for Spurs when the year ends in one. They first won the cup when the century begun.